0: Welcome to Bible and Stuff. My name's Tanner. And I'm Glenn. And this is a podcast about the Bible. And stuff. It is. What stuff are we talking about today, Glenn?
1: Well, today... I don't know. What are we talking about today, (laughs) Tanner?
0: Um, We're talking about Spurgeon. My boy. The boy. The golden boy. (laughs) (laughs) The golden boy. That's how Baptists look at him. He's (laughs) he's kind of the golden... He's like our crown jewel. The old Spurge. I mean... But Jesus, of course, but then right not far below that <laughs> is
1: it's, John, yeah, and then Spurgeon,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, Spurgeon, he's a great guy. Um, anytime I read something Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon has written, I'm just like, dang, that was good. There's never something that I'm like, yeah, most of his stuff is good, but don't read this book or you can skip that thing. It's like, oh, it's by Spurgeon, yeah, read it, you should probably do that, it'll be good. I,
1: I will be totally honest, I have read nothing. From Spurgeon, yeah. Uh, I don't feel like I need to because <laughs> I get enough quotes and uh, direct lines from his work, from yourself and our pastor. And
0: yeah, Cody, yeah. our pastor, he's kind of a he's kind of a Spurgeon man himself.
1: Yeah, a little obsessed.
0: Yeah, he's even trying to look like him. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I didn't think about it, but yeah, he kind of does in the that beard.
0: Though. Yeah, <laughs> I think you. I think he would smoke a pipe if he didn't have asthma yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh yeah, Spurgeon is my homeboy. he's good. so see spizzle let's uh let's jump right into it today.
1: All right Tanner tell me if if I were to ask you who is C.H Spurgeon, what would you tell me?
0: That's a great question it's uh It's hard for me to boil it down into a sentence or two, but uh um Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Often referred to as C.H. Spurgeon, or Charles Spurgeon, or Just Spurgeon, or The Spurge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so he's got a few nicknames.
0: Yeah, he's got a few. Um, he was a Baptist preacher. Uh, he was born, let's see, June 3rd, sorry, June. He was born on June 19th, 1834, and lived until January 31st, 1892. Okay. Um, he is kind his his most well-known nickname is the Prince of Preachers. Dude could preach. It was good. People always enjoyed it. And we'll, we're we're going to get into that more and more, but um he's also a pretty important figure when you start looking into Calvinist history or like reformed tradition history. Um Spurgeon's an important guy. And um probably the biggest accomplishment that he has is he pastored in London for 38 years between primarily two churches, which was New Park Street Chapel um, and then the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Well, dang. Yeah.
1: 38 years. So that was like majority of his life because he was like, he didn't even make it to 60 then, right? 58? Shoot. So he started preaching there at 20.
0: Yeah. Uh, 19. 19. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, um, so let's get into it. I mean, Spurgeon's early life. Early life, he was born in a place called Kelvedon, Essex, which I'm probably mispronounced. Um, but he was his dad and his grandfather were both ministers. They would have called them uh, like nonconformist ministers, which essentially just meant that they weren't Anglicans, um, okay. kind of like a non-denominational kind of thing. Um, and some of Spurgeon's early earliest memories he would say um, are of looking at pictures in the Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan and Fox's Book of Martyrs. So he was kind of raised in, in a very faith centric life. Okay. That being said, his actual formal education wasn't very extensive um, even by you know, that time period standards, you know uh, he attended local schools for a few years um, but never got like a degree. He went to Cambridge for a little bit where he kind of worked as a, uh, like a scholar and a teaching assistant and he was tutored in Greek uh, for a little while, but never, not a dude not that super has... super educated. Well, yeah.
1: educated, but not in a scholar. Not in way. the traditional sense. Okay. Um, so then, I, I don't mean to cut you off, go but for it. how uh, you were saying he's like the Prince of Peter <laughs> preachers preachers you're saying he's the prince of pre oh my gosh you're saying he's the the prince of preachers and like um a lot of the um baptist you know preachers that we know today look up to him as as like uh yeah almost i don't want to say idol but almost like you know someone that they would seek you know
0: yeah how did that happen
1: yeah, how did how did he go from being like nonconformist and growing up in that kind of atmosphere to to becoming this world renowned Baptist preacher?
0: Yeah. Um so the best that I can see, I would say a couple things. One, the dude's just extraordinarily gifted. It's hard to completely overlook that. Um two, he read like a fool. From best as I can tell, he really loved him some books. Um And he was essentially just constantly learning, constantly reading or studying, um, did a lot of writing. Um, So he was still a very scholarly person, even though he didn't have a super traditional education. And the last thing that I think contributed to him being such a great preacher is he was completely unafraid and he really went after people's hearts. Like I think, in the forefront of his mind was always the lost person, and calling them out, like where they're at, and and we'll you'll see that kind of in his life, some of the things that happen. So, kind of the the moment that set Spurgeon on this trajectory of life was at age fifteen. Um, he ended up becoming a Baptist, and the way that happened, it's actually a really cool story. Um, we're just gonna mention the abbreviated version, but it's worth looking into. It's he was on his way to some some appointment, some meeting and, um, a snowstorm was coming through and it forced him to, uh, not get where he was going, but instead kind of duck into this primitive Methodist chapel. Um, and he heard this guy preaching and Spurgeon actually in the story says that he, looking back on it, essentially he thinks the guy was a horrible preacher, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, the message was very simple, and, and it, Spurgeon uh, also says something to the effect of, it's probably good that he wasn't a good preacher because he just relied on the text. And so essentially, through hearing this guy say the word of God, Spurgeon's heart was open, and the text that That's he was awesome. The text that he was preaching that day was Isaiah 45:22, and it says, "Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else." So this guy walks in off the street. This dude's preaching to a room, you know, a a small room of people. And so he's essentially looking at Spurgeon saying, get saved, dude. Like, come on, (laughs) let's do it. I I got nothing better to say to you. Like, I'm just going to keep repeating that. And so he kind of rethought a lot of things. One of those... Most notably, in contrast to what his family believed, was infant baptism, and he became a more traditional Baptist, ascribing to believers' baptism and baptism after uh, faith. Um, Gotcha. And so within four months after that event, he was baptized and he joined a Baptist church. Um, So still a minister like his dad and grandpa, but doing things a little differently than they did. And honestly, uh, not long after that, things just kind of took off for him. As a teenager, even, Spurgeon started preaching. I think uh, one place I read, the first time he preached, he was just filling in for a friend who was gone that particular day. Um, but he ended up preaching in this place uh, called Cambridgeshire uh, in a little village called Water Beach, um, and that's where he started his first pastorate. Okay. as a like As a teenager, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, preaching... Probably multiple times a week, um, just giving his whole life to it at a fairly, in our standards, really young age. So just absolutely nuts. But he was so good that within a year and a half, so not only did he start as his teenager, but it didn't take long before people started noticing his ability. And he was invited to London to preach in this pretty historic place called the New Park Street Chapel. That congregation had, like, about 230 people, but they were so impressed with his preaching that they took a vote and said, let's keep this guy here for a little while, and it was, like, six months or something um, that they said, hey, keep preaching to us, Um, and he ended up never leaving. (laughs) I, I mean,
1: I don't know if you know this while you were, like, learning about this or whatnot, but was it a pastor that invited him from that church to come preach or was
0: it like an intern type? <laughs> I don't know, man. And I wish we had time to just dig into every part of his life or, I, or I would have researched this like, so, you know, yeah. I, we would be going hours on this whole thing. But, uh, man. I, I thought that, and I also thought, man, that sucks for the church he was at because yeah. <laughs> he was doing so good. And now it's like, Hey, peace. I'm at this other place. Um, but you'll come to see, it. like, I, 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 at first I was thinking, Spurgeon just got a better gig and then left. <laughs> but uh, judging by the rest of his life, that's probably not the case. Uh, he probably felt God calm there. But, uh, like, <laughs> could be unfortunate for a number of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at 19 years old, and this is only four years after his conversion. Okay. He was called to the pastorate at New Park Street Chapel. And he starts preaching there. And this is like, you know, 230 something people. It was like a decent sized church, um, fairly well known, you know. And if his popularity was starting to spread before that, it was even more so after this happened. Um, It wasn't long before they were printing his sermons, circulating them in the paper, and people were just getting their hands on him and just eating it up. I mean, he was killing it by by all means. and by 22 years old, like younger than both of us, yeah. by a few years at least, um, he was the most popular preacher of the day. Uh, essentially, he was the the coolest guy in the country. Yeah, And so the congregation that he was at just kept growing and growing and growing, and they moved from New Park Street Chapel to a place called uh, Exeter Hall, and then... Um, to a place called the Surrey Music Hall because they just kept getting outgrowing their buildings and you know we come from this like church planning background and I'm like dude we need <laughs> we need a Spurgeon like he's <laughs> killing the game man he's just doing so good um, but he got to the point where in these venues he was preaching to audiences of 10,000 people or more man. On, on a semi-regular basis like people were just flooding in to hear this guy
1: that's insane to think that in three years you go from preaching in in front of like 230 people to 10,000 people yeah that's a big difference yeah
0: (laughs) it's crazy man um and as far as we can tell he he took it in stride he certainly had um some criticism along the way which isn't you know a little further on in the outline but uh He just kept going, and and not a lot slowed him down. Um, So it really is impressive kind of what God was doing as we look at this, like, just general timeline of of what happened. So, yeah, as we keep going, in January 8th of 1856, he got married to his wife, Susanna. um, And with her, they had twin sons uh, named Charles and Thomas who were born in September of 1856. Um, and there's a ton we could say about them, but just just for time, they existed. <laughs> and let's keep going. <laughs> totally worth looking into. Uh, him and his wife wrote letters back to each other. They're, they can be a great read. And anyway, uh, at the end of that year, kind of a pivotal moment in Spurgeon's life happened. Um, he was preaching at that Surrey Gardens music hall that we talked about for the first time. And in the middle of it, someone in the crowd just yells out, fire like hey this place is going down yeah um and people just panic and uh there's a stampede multiple people died um and it was just a horrible you know incident yeah um and it, it kind of tore him up you can see in some of his writings like he was pretty he was pretty devastated by the event um and one of the big markers on Spurgeon's life uh, that I wish we could go into even more was that uh, he struggled with depression for many years of his life, and he he wrote about um, being moved to tears at times for virtually no reason. He didn't know it, but mm-hmm. he just he just constantly had that kind of thorn in his side, that ache of of depression. And moments like this, and and occurrences like this, didn't do anything to help yeah, that. Yeah, not help at all. Um, but again didn't stop him from continuing to do more and more stuff Uh, the very next year in 1857 he founded a pastor's college Um, when he died later they renamed it Spurgeon's College and it moved from where it was at to the building where it sits currently in uh, London And then a few more years after that, um, on March 18th, 1861, the congregation that he had been pastoring all this time, they moved permanently to the newly constructed metropolitan tabernacle. That's one of the places you'll hear about a lot when you hear about Spurgeon and this place seated 5,000 people and it had standing room for another thousand. Wow. Just, (laughs) it's just absolutely nuts. But, uh, it was the largest church building of its day i mean just absolutely enormous um and he preached there several times a week it, it seems kind of the new trend in churches is to go down to once a week or whatever we can do but he was doing it sundays wednesdays like he was he was pretty much there three or four times a week it seems um until he died about 31 years later so uh- I mean, uh, with everything that you've said
1: so far, yeah, I just feel like this guy was a solid dude, and i mean he it sounds like he dealt with depression, mm-hmm. which i I mean I can't blame him hearing some of the things that like the whole fire deal and everything mm-hmm. um but you had also mentioned something about there there being some kinds of controversies with him like um or or with his work or something like that what all what all happened there like what's because he seems like an upright dude overall yeah (laughs) so far
0: yeah absolutely um i think we'll take a break and that'll be what we talk about when we come back um yeah there were a few different instances but he was just really outspoken uh, yeah and he didn't shy away from a lot of uh a lot of stuff so let's take a quick break and then when we come back uh we'll talk about the different controversies that came in and out in Spurgeon's life awesome
1: Hey guys we wanted to take a minute to share with you an opportunity for you to be able to listen to some amazing books and for us to be able to be kind of supported by you guys so there's a place out there called audible.com and if you go through our page bibleandstuff.com audible you'll be taken to this amazing website where you can actually download audible based books that you can listen to in the car on your way to work um, or wherever you may be headed and The really cool thing about this is if you go ahead and sign up for this through our site, you actually have the opportunity to have the first month free and be able to download two free books along with it.
0: Yeah, like Glenn said, you get those two free books and there is a ton of great stuff on there about Spurgeon a couple things by Spurgeon um, worth hearing his sermons worth reading anything he wrote and there's also a great book on there by Stephen Lawson called The Gospel Focus of Charles Spurgeon which is what we talked about throughout this entire episode any of that is worth picking up with your free two books um, and we would love it if you went to bibleandstuff.com audible and signed up for that free trial today
1: All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, as we said before the break, uh, Tanner is going to be talking a little bit about just what some of these controversial things were that um, may have taken place in Spurgeon's life. And it sounds like... Actually, it sounds a lot like when we were talking about Calvin and, and some of our other kind of heroes of the ages and uh, just the fact that they were really outspoken. And
0: yeah, Um Uh, Spurgeons are probably a little different than Calvin and Luther, who we've already talked about in that. um, Certainly Spurgeon sinned in his life, but Calvin and Luther tend to have these very clear blemishes on their life that come up a lot when we talk about it today. Generally, and that may be because most of the people that are in love with Spurgeon are Baptists anyway, so they want to try to keep him as clean as possible. Um, That doesn't happen as much with Spurgeon, but in his day, he was super controversial. Um, And I think it makes sense, because we talked about the whole first half of this podcast was how this guy was just blowing up. I mean, he was just causing a stir with how many people were coming in to see him, joining his church, being saved, all these different crazy things happening. So it only makes sense that the press, I mean, like the newspapers of the time and stuff like that, got wind of it. I mean, it only makes sense that it became a story. And on one hand, his sermons were being published in papers, but on the other hand, they would rake him over the coals in stories, um, particularly people that were very traditional Protestants. Um, He was kind of a... He was kind of flamboyant, not in the the negative connotation we think of today, but when he preached, he did it with vigor and and arm motions, and just he was all over the place. He would pace, he would act out things, he would uh, tell stories of dying children or um, grieving parents or people that were that repenting and all this crazy stuff and. They actually earned him some not-so-nice nicknames, <laughs> um, one being the Exeter Hall Demagogue, and the other one, which I think we'll more relate to today, is the Pulpit <laughs> Buffoon. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, there's a great quote from him that says, uh, I am perhaps vulgar, but it is not intentional, save that I must and will make people listen. <laughs> My firm conviction is, is that we have had quite enough Polite preachers. (laughs) Which is really funny because I feel like, and maybe this has just happened
1: historically throughout the ages, but I feel like we're at a place like that now as well.
0: Yeah. One of the things I hear a ton today is the offensiveness of the gospel, because we've had this gospel resurgence, um, but we still you still have a lot of people that don't want to offend anybody. That's kind of what our culture's main theme is today. Like, can't we all just get along, love each other, and that's the big thing. But the gospel is in its essence offensive. You're having to tell people that they're sinners, right. and there's nothing they can do to fix it, and it's because of them. <laughs> like, they've screwed this up. And it doesn't matter how good you've been, you're not good enough. And that's very offensive. And Spurgeon essentially said, we have enough people out here that are trying to avoid stepping on toes. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to preach the Bible and what it says, it says. If you don't like it, that's that's your problem. Yeah. Um, he said it better than that because he's Spurgeon, but you get the idea. And so he had a lot of convictions, biblical convictions, that he never shied away from. Um, in a sermon on Acts 26, 28, he said, um, almost persuaded to be a Christian is like the man who was almost pardoned, but then was hanged. <laughs> he said, "Like okay. it's like the man who was almost rescued, but then he burned up in a house. So a man that is almost saved is damned. Well, so he's essentially saying... He gave it to him straight. <laughs> yeah. Man, he's, he's calling these guys out, essentially saying that if you're not going to go all the way with a person, if you're just going to just tell them, you know, you should get saved or whatever, like, you're not doing them any good. It doesn't matter how close they get. If if you don't pull the trigger on it, if you don't really preach the gospel in its entirety, offensiveness and all, then what are you doing? Yeah. And then there were more particular subjects um, where he just didn't hold his tongue at all. That was like Rome and ritualism, any hypocrisy, and Almost especially modernism, so the the liberal side of um what we would refer to it today as liberal, trying to to say, "Well, you know, is it really just one man, one woman? It would be the stuff we talk about today like but you know at at his time, it was just other things like that. the church would continue to um, try to evolve and not stay rooted in biblical convictions um, that people had believed for thousands <laughs> of years. Um, and he did not hold back at all. <laughs> um, so um, the biggest one became essentially surrounding that that type of thought became called the downgrade controversy. Uh, it started in like 1887, and it was because Spurgeon was publicly saying that some of his Baptist brothers, he's not calling out other denominations or other people. He's saying, guys in my faith, guys in my circle are downgrading the faith. Hmm. They're taking away things that you can't take away. Whether that was repentance or, you know, all these different things, he was just saying you can't do it and it's despicable. I mean, just straight up calling people on the carpet. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um and so, you know, this was in the late nineteenth century, Darwinism is, is growing. Um and there's a lot of people looking at uh the Bible with a microscope trying to reevaluate it, trying to say maybe that's not true, maybe it's this instead. Um, and Spurgeon wasn't having any of it. Um so he said, it's not just your interpretation. Like, you're taking away things that are essential to the faith. Right. Um, and he said it a lot. <laughs> he had a, uh, a publication called The Sword and the Trowel, and uh, in, in it he wrote, Our warfare is with men who are giving up the atoning sacrifice, denying the inspiration of Holy Scripture, and casting slurs upon justification by faith and those things are essential to our faith, but we still argue about them today. We still argue about um, did Jesus completely atone for us on the cross? Is the Bible really inspired word of God, infallible, uh, inerrant, and are we really justified through only faith? I mean, these are things that still come up today, and Spurgeon didn't hide from that controversy Listen at all. was very gentle with it. No yeah so needless to say that didn't superset well with a lot of people in his denomination um and a sen- eventually they kicked him out um towards later in his life um and he was already uh not in great health at the time he struggled with some health issues throughout his life and this controversy lasted so long um it really took a toll on him, I mean, mm-hmm. in addition to struggling with depression, he struggled with gout, um, and he just had a lot of issues, and this really kind of just beat him <laughs> down uh, towards the end of his life. but dude never faltered, never wavered, was as strong as a rock mentally the entire time. yeah, um, until he died and just he left. He left a lot of stuff. We talked about this, this church, this pastor's college. He wrote a number of publications. He really left a lot to show for it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so we usually wrap up our podcast by saying, like, why is this important? Yeah. And you're, you're saying it right now. I mean, this guy paved the way for, you know, Baptist believers of the day now. Um, and he didn't stray from... The truth, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like like you've been saying this whole time, he was um, he was focused on the truth and keeping Jesus at the center of everything.
0: Yeah, I think it's natural for people at the end of a podcast where we talk about a person to say, okay, like why do I care? <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Or what's this have to do with me? And it's exactly right. That's why we try to end up with why should you care? Why is it important? And the dude just knew his Bible and was not giving it up. That was more important justification through faith, essentially that that we're only right in God's eyes through faith alone. doesn't take works. It doesn't take other stuff. It doesn't take any more or less. Um, essentially in everything he did, he just kept Jesus in the middle of all of it. Yeah. And the other thing, which we talked about a little bit, um, but again, not as much as I would have liked to in the time constraints, he was intent on reaching the lost. One of the reasons that his ministry was blowing up so big was because he had that church planner mentality we talked about earlier, where he was always thinking about the lost person in the crowd. He was always um, building people up and and training them and sending them out to share the gospel with other people that didn't know it or hadn't heard it or hadn't yet believed it. Um, And that's how this happened. And those two things are just things we can't do without just faith in what God has told us and what his son has done. And then the missionary aspect that every Christian should feel of that, which is sharing that gospel. It goes back to what he said earlier, which was man, it's great if your friend is close to being a Christian, but if that's as far as they get, that does them no good. Yeah. Uh, it just really, he really put this fire under you to press forward and press on and, be like jesus
1: no wonder he dealt with depression yeah i mean that's heavy stuff having to tell (laughs) people all the time listen you suck (laughs) you need to change this this is this is the truth yeah you are living a
0: lie yeah oh man so ending on that note Guess what we have now? Fun facts. Fun facts, baby. That's why we end the podcast with fun facts. Make it always enjoyable there at the end. And I think we have some pretty interesting ones. Spurgeon was uh, was a cool guy. <laughs> He's someone that, like, yeah, he was great, but I actually would just like to hang out with him. You know what I mean? Like, there are guys um, that accomplish a lot but would probably be no fun at all, and I don't think Spurgeon is like that in the least bit. Um but going back to what we talked about, him reaching the lost, is he never gave altar calls at the end of his sermons. He always just said, hey, if you have interest in Jesus, um, you can meet me tomorrow morning at, at my place, essentially at his, at his study <laughs> or whatever. And they say that without fail, there was always someone there. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he always said, hey, if you want to know more, you come meet me tomorrow morning, we're good to go, and there would be a dude or a lady there all the time. Um, So, yeah, just absolutely nuts. Also, um, he was such a good preacher. Part of that was he wrote his sermons out completely before he preached. We we would call that manuscripting. Um, And he carried them up to the pulpit with him on a a little card um, with his outline. And as he would preach it, these stenographers would write it all down and then they would type it up as a transcript later for the newspapers to publish and he would have an opportunity um i, I can't remember if it was either either at the end of the day or it ha, have to have been at the end of the day cuz they printed them in, on Mondays um and he would like edit it so he'd change this little thing or that thing wow. and then be like boom send it out <laughs> just absolutely crazy and you know we know Cody Dever's our pastor has a whole bookshelf almost <laughs> of these volumes of Spurgeon's uh, sermons and the few times I've had the opportunity to preach um I've always looked at what verses cuz he would generally only preach on a, maybe a couple of verses at a time yeah like you know people nowadays go through 15 a whole chapter sometimes um at a time if they preach the bible at all and don't just do something completely topical um He could get so much gold out of one or two verses, and he would use the context of that verse, but um, he would just tear it apart piece by piece, and you would feel like he'd completely exhausted it. Um, Just absolutely crazy. So he was always super helpful. He was also super discouraging in the fact that you're like, well, I'm not going to be this good. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, super interesting to read uh, some of his sermons and in addition to writing sermons every week sometimes multiple times um he also wrote hymns i did not know this i didn't either until i studied for this podcast um he wrote a few hymns and with some other hymns um published a collection of songs in 1866 and called it our own hymn book interesting yeah i want a copy of this thing now i know i kind of (laughs) want to look
1: through it see what we could use for worship i
0: know man i'm gonna have to find one of those but uh thought that was super interesting um and lastly we talked about uh, the very beginning how he was just a smart cat and it was because he was constantly learning and his personal library eventually exceeded 12,000 volumes (laughs) 12,000 books in there. Um, I believe later that a seminary bought it. Um, I can't remember how much. I wish I'd have written it down, but um, just absolutely crazy. Man. To me, I'm like, how many of those did he read? Did he read 12,000? Because that's crazy. Um, But yeah, just super awesome.
1: Man, well, I I definitely feel like I have a better understanding now of who Spurgeon was and what an awesome dude he he was, too. Yeah, man. I
0: like Uh, it. Yeah, and I mean, just in this podcast, we've opened up three or four doors to be able to talk about Spurgeon more in the future, but uh, I can't wait. It's super interesting to learn about him, even though we just kind of did a quick once-over his life today. uh, So much of it is worth digging into more, his struggle with depression and how he handled those things and what he has to say about it absolutely great the things that he has to say about the bible faith and preaching just marvelous i mean yeah. just craziness but uh it's been a good one this has been a fun podcast to do um hope you guys enjoyed it um as we wrap up we always of course remind you that if you have any corrections to make or any suggestions for new episodes we do you can reach out to us at hello at bible and You can also find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. And those are both at Bible and stuff.
1: Thanks for joining us today, guys. And we'll uh, we'll see you next
0: week. Peace.